It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. I don't know why I thought you were stretching it out. I thought you were going to say, like, hey, boys. <laughs> no, we no, got to no, keep, keep it the same. Well, guys, this is our fifth season. This is crazy. Five seasons deep. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. It's it's We've had a fun time doing it. We really didn't do it for necessarily the long term, but it's crazy that we look back and we're at five years now, but we're having fun doing it. And I, I'm so glad to be back at it. Boys, it's been a long off season. I've been <laughs> so excited to look forward to hockey again. It's just been three months. I know, but it feels like an eternity, dude. Everything is officially back. You know what I mean? Like packed houses, you know, the, the divisions are realigned back to normal. You know, you, you're, you're really starting to see it it all come back together. And then on top of it too, like there's just so many good storylines this year. There's been so many moves. There's been so many transactions. It's like, I don't even know what to say. So, but do you know what the best storyline of all is? No, the lightning are setting themselves up for a three peak cup run because Nikita Kucherov is back on long-term injury reserve. And we know what happened last time. Yeah. Hey, they said unlikely to be beyond 56 games. Yeah, yeah. That was in quotes from John Cooper. But that said, uh, I, yeah. Stop it, me if you've it, heard it. Before. Yeah, I mean, like this is this is round everybody. Three, so as like, soon as the news came out, we were like, yeah, we see where this is. <laughs> He's going to be back for the playoffs. Yeah. First, yeah. I, I mean, you know, what would be really funny is that they do that and then trade for Eichel. <laughs> I don't think uh, <laughs> could, I would love could to you see imagine it. that. That would be hilarious. Poor Jack Eichel. That's would, another story too that is yeah. just like going nowhere. Yeah, he, he, That's honestly, a, it's a huge uh, black mark on the league right now because apparently he wants like, I guess, a fusion surgery and the, the, uh, the it's team. It's on the league. It's on Buffalo. Yeah. I'm sorry. The team won't approve it. They'll only approve like a disc replacement or something. So anyway, he wants this some type of experimental surgery, which is better, but uh, it's kind of experimental and the team won't root for it. And he's having trouble leaving Buffalo. They can't get their, the, the other teams can't see the doctor's reports on him. And Buffalo's already said they're not going to retain any salary in a potential trade. So they're making it incredibly hard for Jack. And Jack Eichel probably won't even play this year. So yeah, it's a is, huge black mark to the point where, where fans and players and people in the industry are saying, you know, this might be a point where the league needs to step in. And apparently this is all covered in like the CBA and it's under contract and, and laws and such, but this is a law of unintended consequences. This is this is just a bad look, man. Well, I mean, you're also talking about a very young star talent that's basically just sitting there wasting away. And then on top of it, too, like that spinal fusion thing, didn't Tiger Woods have one or two of those? Like, yeah, I, I, I think mean, so. it's, it's not really like very experimental. So I really don't understand why the team won't cover it. I don't know. There's just been so many storylines that have popped up. But um, yeah, I mean, Buffalo. I really don't know what they're doing in the front office right now, but it's it's been kind of like a dumpster fire, even though they've started off perfect this year, which is hilarious to me. They're 3-0, so who would have thought? Don't think that's going to average out throughout the whole season, no. but I'm just saying. It's a happy start, though. <laughs> yeah, good start for them. 
And it also looks like that Shea Weber is not going to be playing this year, and he's going on long-term injured reserve as well, which is good for the Preds because if he retires, the Preds are facing a recapture penalty. Yeah, I I heard the story that basically they granted him permission to go on long-term injured reserve, and that's what he wants to do. But there also is a report that came out that he is very unlikely to ever play again, which is extremely sad. I mean, if if he has to hang it up because of this, you know, it's bittersweet. Like, he's had a great career, but at the same time, too, you probably know that he had a few years left in the tank. I mean, he just went... It's so frustrating to watch, especially as such a good player, you know, former Pred ties. It's just... Man, it's heart heartbreaking because he is a tough dude and you know he's got to be really hurting to not be playing hockey. Yeah, I think he had a couple more years in him and it is bittersweet for everybody involved, especially um, uh, the Canadians. The Canadians have had, Carey Price has been hurt. Dude. They've had they've had a ton of injuries. Uh, I can't name, I can't think of all of them off the top of my head because I've got a horrible memory, but I know that they've been massively struggling to start. And that's going to, that's going to really, yeah, they've had a massive damper to start the season coming off of what was very high expectations given last year's performance. So not a great look to start. And that's going to be really hard to bounce back with, especially, it's not just a bad couple games. You've had injuries and that's going to last more than a few games. Yeah. 0-4 to start, and then on top of that, you have all those injuries, and they're facing Carolina tonight, so (laughs) more than likely an L. Let's just be honest. I mean, if they can pull it out, good for them, but uh, I mean, realistically, they're starting off really bad this year, and it's one of those, how deep of a hole do they get themselves in? Like, Carey Price is just gone right now, and like, you know, hopefully he's getting what he needs through this program, like we really don't know all the details, but we know like it has to do something, you know, probably mental health. So that said, Canadians are in a tough spot and they just fell from glory. I mean, they had an, let's be honest, they squeak in and it's a pretty crazy cup run. Yeah. So you could argue that they weren't far from this anyways, but like one or two major tipping points and now you're seeing them at the bottom yeah. and... Uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. They're getting booed off the ice. I think that's a little unnecessary. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you, you got some major injuries, like as Matt pointed out. Like, it's... Well, to be fair, Chicago also got booed off the ice the other night too. Bro, but I'm telling you... Well, they I, splurged for Seth Jones and Flurry. Yeah, they had one of the best off seasons out of any of the teams and they come out and lay a huge egg to start and uh, the fans are not happy about it. It's understandable. Well, here's the deal. Their defense in front of Flurry still sucks and Seth Jones was overpaid. Yeah. That's, that's what it boils down to. And I, I think... Chicago was in a really good rebuild mode and I feel like this kind of detoured them a little bit. They because remember like the last two years they've been infusing it with young talent. You have uh Alex Brinkett, you know, coming up going to be a star it seems like for the next several years. You're building on these key blocks and then all of a sudden it's like you get these albatross, co- you know, this albatross contract with Seth Jones and then arguably you know, just looking at the stats he should have been paid way less than that. Now, you well, do go I'll, over and get Flurry, which I'm very excited about because, you know, Vegas just basically just messed him over. Um, but that said, I, I just, man, I don't know what Chicago is going to be doing right now. I, I won't go so far as to call his contract an albatross. Uh, in fact, you'll see over the offseason, there was a lot of defensemen uh, that got signed to big money. Um, I think it started with Seth Jones, then Eckholm, uh, Charlie McAvoy, um, some other guy from the Rangers whose name escapes me, uh, Ryan Pollock. Uh, 
this is this was massive. So the Seth Jones deal really struck how high the figures are going to. So you have comparables, and and that's what players base their salaries on. Once Seth Jones deal got done, it was like everybody got paid. Charlie McAvoy got paid the largest contract in Bruins history right after that. So the Albatross thing will only that will remain to be seen at, at the end of the term. Right now, it's fine. I think he deserved the money. He's one of the best defensemen in the league. He's still young, and th- that'll work well for three or four years. But after that. Sure, maybe we'll start talking about overpaid and all that. But right, right, right now, it's fine. But the main concern was they, the lack of defense and their woes there. Part of it was bringing in a, a stud like uh, Jones. Part of it was bringing in a better goaltender like Flurry. But at the end, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be enough because they have some woes for sure. And, and as you can see by the start of the season, they, they might have the pieces, what it takes, but they haven't put it all together quite yet. Yeah, I mean, it looks like he signed through the 2028 season at like 9.5 mil. So, I mean, towards, that's, the, that's end, massive, towards the end of that, it's kind of like you were saying, towards the end of that contract, he also has a no movement, no trade yeah. clause. So that's, I mean, that's huge. Like towards the end, I'm not going to argue for the first couple of years because he's still 27. But like once you're getting past that age 30 yeah. and you're like 34, 35, yeah, you're going to be wanting to dump him. Like, uh, and hopefully his production continues to stay where it's at i mean but honestly like given his production and all the advanced metrics he probably shouldn't have commanded you know that 9.5 i feel like he should have been in the 8.5 range. i'll draw an interesting comparison i know johansson's a forward but johansson when he came into nashville and got that big eight by eight deal or whatever i felt like he was overpaid because he's slightly past his prime maybe i mean coming into his prime years but maybe past it but the the why call it the past is because you're paying for past performance yeah what he did with his previous team is he landed the big bucks for it but now you're switching to a new system you know a new roster it's totally different and teams always get in trouble when that happens i think it's going to be very similar with seth jones it might not hurt right now it contracts don't burn you until the back end but same situation with Seth Jones, come off a great team, had great numbers, and he's moving into a new situation. And then his performance might not reflect the high expectation that you place on him with that salary. And I will say, Matt, before we forget, how do you like having NHL on uh, ESPN now? I feel like you're just teeing me up because uh, I've been on a bit of a rant about it lately. I have felt uh, so in the offseason, the contract rights from NBC switched over to ESPN and TNT. And I have felt that the transition has not been great. Um, there was a massive amount of technical, well, I don't know what massive is, but there was quite a few technical issues. Yeah, they're ironing out the bugs. As a spectator, I would think as TNT and ESPN both are like professional broadcasting uh, you know, companies that they would have the the ship, you know, ride and everything be smooth, but it's not quite been smooth. There's been some tech issues, some microphones being turned off, some, some, uh, microphone not being linked to the audio correctly synced and things like that. But yeah, I guess it'll get fixed over time. But honestly, uh, the first game, the ESPN game, you had my boy, Kevin Weeks. I haven't got to see him in, in a long time because he's NHL and I don't have NHL network. So I never get to see his great commentary and he's a great personality. So now I get to see him on ESPN. Um, but what, I was very, very happy with is the TNT having Wayne Gretzky on television. Now, this is so good for hockey. How many times do you have the best to ever play the game, leave the game, and come back as a commentator? So I'm, I was too young to see Gretzky play. So same thing with like Gordie Howe. All these great players weren't in my lifetime really as, as an uh, old enough to watch. So now I'm getting to like relive some of the great hockey eras of bygone past 
I'm getting to see Wayne Gretzky still and, and have memories and, and see him on TV, which I didn't get to see as a kid. So that is awesome. And then you put him with Charles Barkley, who's apparently another beloved personality. And he's taking slap shots or taking a... He's you know, taking shots <laughs> taking in shots Pecorino's. Again, <laughs> in Pecorino's gear. Which he sent him a note. I mean, it was great. <laughs> yeah, that that right there, when I saw that, I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to hockey. And this was day freaking one that TNT did this. So I was extremely happy with that. Gretzky, you're getting to see the guy, you're getting to see now also Paul Bissonnette. I know you guys don't follow uh, Spitting Chicklets as much as I do. Biz is a, is a big personality. He's great for hockey. Now he is getting to uh, be on the panel with Gretzky. And after the first game, they bantered so well back and forth that they put Biz on the opposite side of Gretzky. So now that they could banter back and forth and kind of talk towards the other uh, the other panelists, that way they just kind of, it, it brings everybody back in. And seeing Gretzky's uh, demeanor, his professionalism, and his knowledge, depth of knowledge in hockey, and then you combine that with, with Paul Bissonnette's boisterous and loud personalities, kind of a goofball, that's something that the that hockey has needed for so long. It's been very boring player interviews, you know, in, in years gone by. It's it's almost like you put the snooze on until the game starts or uh, in the intermission. Now you've got colored commentators who are who are cracking jokes and bantering and ribbing each other. And, I mean, making a laugh. I was I was more excited to watch the intermission report than I was to watch the game. And how long? How many years has that been available to be said? That's never been said before. So this is a very good look for hockey in general, for growing the game, wider audiences. This is this is the best thing ever for hockey in my life. Yeah, I think that's the big point is, yeah, ESPN and TNT, you know, you're partnering with a much larger network at this point. Like, yeah, they're going to have some technical issues and they, they will get them ironed out, but it is going to enhance the whole game of hockey. Like you're going to grow the fan base. Like it, it, it's just more readily available. If that makes sense. Like, I mean, if you put on ESPN now, I actually get the point on flipping ESPN with Bucci Maine and, and Barry Melrose and a, a tort. Are you kidding me? What a lineup that was Bucci Maine, Barry Melrose and tort sitting there. Talk like you talk about some good commentating. That is incredible. And you know, from Tortorella's press conferences, like that's much must watch TV every yeah. single time. So like, you're bringing in great people and they've you've surrounded yourself with a great cast to be able to put it out there. Once they iron out the technical difficulties, I think it's going to be fantastic and I think it's going to be huge for the game of hockey. And another piece of massive hockey history that happened the same night, uh, Ovechkin passed uh, Marcel Dion on the all-time goal yep. list and, and Gretzky got to talk on the headphone with Ovechkin post-game. I know. I know. Two of the best to ever play the game are talking after the game. It cannot get better than this. Freaking day one. It's just that was, very exciting. That whole night was great because one of the rookies, it was his first game. Oh, he's yeah. like 19. Oh, yeah. He's 19. Okay, we just sidebar for a second. He's 19. There's pictures of him in his room with Ovi's poster on the wall as his idol. And he flipping scores a goal on the same night with his idol on the same bench when he passes. I, I was just like, and they were literally right beside each other on the bench. And I'm like, you can't draw that up. Like, yeah, that, it like, does that not is, get better that than is, that. Like, the kid was smiling ear to ear. I mean, like, you, uh, what a uh, great night, yeah. I gotta say, boys, I know we love playoffs and the finals. It is not going to get better than that. Yeah, that, 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 I, we peaked, boys. <laughs> we, we peaked. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, in a little sidebar, we always have been gushing over Ovi, but I, I mean, this man is just—he's he, a beast. He's—he's he's on a mission to beat Gretzky. I mean, you can clearly see it. 
And he's doing commercials. He's with doing pasta. commercials <laughs> with, with pasta <laughs> and like life insurance. It, he's he's a man of multi talent, and it's just been incredible uh, seeing him progress. I, I mean, like honestly, we're we're at the point where I, I feel like he is definitely in range to be able to get and catch Gretzky, which I never thought would even be possible. Like I I, I mean. You're, you're talking by the end of this year, he's probably top three. And then at that point, he's chasing down two people. I, I mean, you're Gordy Howe and flipping Wayne Gretzky. If you're in that group, I, I don't know what to say anymore. So well, I feel like I need to bring you guys back down the earth a little bit. Because otherwise, like they said, we can talk about this all night long. But guys, the Preds got a stadium series game come February. Are you excited for it? Oh, yeah, we're excited for it. We're going to try to be there all. We're going to yeah. try to get a block of seats. We got to get it here pretty soon um, to be there for this historic moment. I, I mean, honestly, they had the press conference. I think it was yesterday on the field. So they actually outlined where the rink's going to be, everything. They're anticipating basically 70,000 people. So That's awesome. uh, imagine 70,000. Like, okay, l- let's really put this in perspective. Like Bridgestone only holds so much, you know, like 19,000. So you're, you're talking 70,000. I mean, maybe 10,000 will be Bolts fans, whatever. That's going to be a ruckus environment. And what Sean Henry said, he's like, this is going to be a Smashville spectacular like week. Like, I mean, they're turning it into like a whole fanfare thing where the whole week leading up, it's going to be like a massive party uh, to celebrate this series. And a lot of the Lightning players are super excited too. I know, I think it was, uh, was it Headman or Point? He was basically saying that um, his town only has 37,000 people in it from Sweden. And he's going to be playing in a stadium that's going to hold 70,000 fans. I, I mean, that, that's absolutely incredible when you think about it. And it's going to be hosted in Nashville, of all places. Like, I mean, it, it's just crazy. So Yeah, we got to go there. That's like a once in a lifetime. It'll probably never happen in Nashville again for another 40 years. So we got to go to that. Yeah, no, we'll be there. Um, I think the league's excited, obviously, with the success that we've had with previous, you know, dealings with them, All-Star Games, the Cup Final. They they know we can put on a good show. And honestly, I feel like this is more of a test run for a Winter Classic. Um, if we're able to pull this off, then basically, the, the biggest portion of being able to play the Winter Classic is the problem with scheduling. Because the Titans usually are playing a home game around that same time. And there's also the Music City Bowl to deal with for the college game. So it would take probably a year or two in advance of the NHL working with the NFL to try to work the schedule out. But I could see that maybe like four or five years from now being a reality uh, if we do really well for this. Because I know they want to, they definitely want to do it here because of the fanfare around it. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it would be very special to have one here. But I could see it, like I said, in maybe like five or six years. Uh, a lot of coordination that's going to have to happen to make that a reality, though. But we are definitely going to be there. This is going to be a fun game for sure. I'll tell you, another person who's also going to be there is Matthias Ekholm. Like we said at the beginning of the show, he just signed his contract and looks like he wants to stay in Smashville for the foreseeable future. Yeah, so this contract, I'm actually very excited. Very excited about this contract because it wasn't 
very long the term but the question is is matt excited no he was yeah i i agree uh four years at a what is a six six point two yeah that's a great uh, four, four years is the ideal term that's that's perfect that is absolutely great i would never yeah great yeah uh, like you could argue three because he is a little bit older but here's the deal he has been very loyal he's been here his entire career so you do have to honor that at some point you know give him the extra year but at the same time too it's not like the seth jones thing where you're yeah. getting into like eight years <clears throat> And yeah. then on top of it, too, you're still at $6.25 million and he's one of the, like, a top tier to... Yeah. I think the NHL Network had him ranked at, like, 19th best player in the league. Like, crazy. Like, because the last several years, he's really stepped it up and just shown that he is a great yeah. defenseman. And I think as an organization, even if you could say, well, that, that term is, is one year too many or maybe it's one mil too high, I'm, I'm, I'm very okay with teams honoring their loyal players. Uh, <clears throat> I always harp or, or actually relish that the Wings used to always do this to their players. Yeah, they'd overpay them a little bit, but if you play your entire career with one team, they ought to show you some freaking respect, okay? And and that's what it gets, especially Nashville's not been getting the best uh, press with the fan base for the roster moves they've made, so at least they're locking down another fan favor a little bit more long-term, which is going to sit very well with the fans. Well, here's I do want to say real quick, um, RIP Henrik Lundqvist. Oh, uh, just yeah. made me think about that where he, uh, you know, spends all that time with the um, Rangers, gets into the Capitals, doesn't, doesn't even, even play, play a freaking game with the Capitals and has to retire as a Capital. That pisses me off bad. <laughs> that chaps me off. Everybody knows that. Yeah, it's that's very unfortunate. But what I was going to say about the Ekholm thing is Ekholm, not on not to, you know, throw aside loyalty. He's also been productively really good for the organization. He is basically every single year gotten better and he's been solid and had good numbers to back it up. Yeah. That's, that's the great part. And we still got him at a, a reasonable cost. I, I think for the team, he's what Forsberg was two or three or four years ago. Well, and then also I'm going to argue this to have a shot at re-signing Forsberg. You have to sign Ekholm. Yeah, no doubt. Like you have to sign Ekholm because you already had the RV incident where we've had an Instagram post of, you know, thumbs down and then i think I, I it was me that day that tweeted a picture of forsberg's instagram and sure enough he's got three smiley faces super excited about the 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 you know the actual contract signing so you're walking a fine line because you're like okay i have to do something to be able to you know pitch it to forsberg later on this year you know hey we're still keeping some we want to be competitive basically so we're putting our best foot forward right now with some key pieces that you've been around here a long time and you, that's a friend of yours. You know what I mean? Like you got to have him to be able to have Forsberg. The question though becomes, even though Ekholm has been signed and say the Preds have a terrible season because right now they're playing tonight, but they're coming into this uh, fourth game um, two and sorry, one and two. If the team is not doing very well by the trade deadline, do you think Forsberg just says, you know what? I'll take my chances, either trade me or I'll finish the season off and go on the open market. I That's, can oh. definitely see that as a possibility. After after the Arvidsson thing, I thought, man, and with the other moves they made, I, I definitely could see Forsberg is like on, how do they say, on eggshells, is on a, gla uh, a small floor. This this could yeah. go south really fast. So I think maybe the Eckholm move was exactly for the express purpose of trying to entice Forsberg to stay if he's a bit of a flight risk at the moment. It, and I think I even talked in our group message that we're going to really know where we're at about halfway through the season because at that point in time, we're going to be able to evaluate our record. We're going to see how far you know, out we are from a playoff position or if we're in a playoff position or if we're at the very bottom. 
And then you have to sit there and consciously make a good decision. Because if you know that Forsberg is not going to resign at the end of the year because your team's, you know, in the dump and we're kind of in rebuild mode and we're, you know, definitely passing on to the youth movement. Are we? Hold on. Hold on. I know we're getting there because believe me, that's going to be another hot topic for us to rain on for another 10 minutes. But you, you're, you're trying to move on, you know, trying to get the youth moving in there. But if you are not competitively re, competitive rebuild mode, like Poyle said, which he, I think he even said too, he's like, I wish I could retake that back or something. Like He wanted to change it yeah, to, to competitive, competitive transition. Competitive transition. Okay, cool. E- either one. If you're in that phase and you know Forsberg's going to leave, why not deal him? at the trade deadline and just rake in the draft picks because you know next draft this next draft is loaded so somebody out there is going to want Forsberg obviously we want him we obviously don't want him to leave but at the same time too if you know there is a pretty good chance of him leaving at the end of the year and you're getting nothing I'm dealing him at the trade deadline and I'm taking all those draft picks and I'm cashing in and I'm getting multiple like the best bang for my buck that I possibly can at that time because I'm getting some first round picks for that next draft. There's a ton of teams out there who have a ton of picks too like that would be willing to give up um, that. I mean, heck, even the Red Wings, look at how many they've stockpiled. Uh, I mean, yeah. like like you, you have teams out there that have a lot. So I, all I'm saying is you're going to have to walk this fine line and about halfway through the season, you're going to know whether or not what you need to do with Forsberg. So uh, well, it's going to be very touch and go this year. There's a bit of you know instability in that subject, and I think Kyle was alluding to another bit of misdirection. And where are we yeah. headed uh, with another situation, Kyle? So you know we were talking uh, earlier about the youth movement. And Daniel said, "Hold on, we're going to get to it." So yeah. now here we are. The Preds, like you said, David Poyle was all about you know the competitive rebuild and finger quotes, and it seemed like through training camp and you know the preseason games, it looked like that was going to be the case. Bill Tomasino, Cody Glass, both make open and night rosters. And we're like, okay, Preds come in being one of the youngest teams. I think they were like either the fourth or fifth youngest team starting off yeah, the night. Fifth youngest. And basically two games in, they're like, well, I should say Hines is like, nah, I want Tomasino to go down and I want Cody Glass to go down. And you put in uh, Rocco and I believe it was, um, who's the other guy that came in? Novak. Yeah, Novak. Well, Tommy Novak was the one that got called up from and here's the deal, like Rocco, he looks good and he had really good numbers, you know, towards the end of last season and him being out was kind of like almost like a head scratcher to me. You know what I mean? With our current lineup. But that said, man, that that's frustrating because we like we acquire glass in that trade. And then we also have Tomasino, who is arguably like one of the future cornerstones for us. But I my whole point is why give them that one or two game hope and then just immediately send them back down. Yeah. And, and I, I don't get that to the point that, you know, I know Cody glass at nothing special, but here's the thing. I don't care about AHL players. If I'm honest, I don't care about Thomas, you know, talk to me once you can be a stable NHL player because there's so many, there's there are a dime a dozen and I, I can't remember a thousand players. So once you make NHL roster, okay, now we'll talk. But let me tell you about Cody Glass. I've known about Cody Glass for two two years. I knew about him when he played for Vegas. I yeah. know he only played like 30 games a yeah. year, but I knew he got his, hurt. 
I knew his name. And now you're taking a guy whose name, who's a, you know, he's like a black ace type character who I've known from other teams and you're sending him back down the minors. I don't understand it. You're putting another guy whose name I've never heard and I'm in your local market. I don't get that. No, Novak had a good camp, but I don't understand sending Glass back down. And also correction too, Tomasino was not sent back to Milwaukee. He was only scratched. He's also playing tonight. I just want to point that okay, out there. fair so, enough i got it uh, wrong yeah no i just wanted to point that out there was a difference but still it's like it's one of those things it's like why you traded for glass kind of like you were saying matt like you've been following vegas he is definitely i think glass was a first round pick i was i am i am i making that up somebody check i don't me. know about so first round but he's, he's not a ahl player i'm gonna put it that way Kyle's checking me, fact-checking me on this one. I feel like he's first or second round. I thought he was hot. He was a hot th- ticket I, in I Vegas. Feel, I feel like he was late first round. Okay, but besides that, you trade him in the whole transaction for Ellis. You know what I mean? To get something back. So it's kind of like... It, Drafted six. Draft six overall? Six overall. Yep, and then I in, told in you. the uh, 2017 NHL draft, and he was the... Uh, Vegas Knights first over first pick they made Boom, in their draft. Baby, yeah, so I told was, you he was a big deal. So not even he like, was a first pick for them, and yet he's not even good enough for our NHL team. Are you freaking kidding me, bro? But you he's also had a ton of injuries too. I don't, I don't care. That, he's but, not injured right now. No, but that's my point. Is like with Vegas, he was injured a lot, so you didn't see his potential. Yeah, like I, I I've seen him play, and it's kind of I, I don't know. There's a lot of offensive upside to Cody Glass. So I, I don't see that with Tommy Novak as much, even though he had a good camp. I'm not I'm, I'm not downing him, okay? The good news is we've had, well, you've also had other people. Igor. Afanasev, if I pronounce that correct. <laughs> Who knows? Afanasev. Well, um, I, I tell you what, though. He did great, too. Uh, one good note, though, is my boy, uh, Tea Time Tolvin, and scored the first goal for the Preds this year. Okay, let me tell you, he's been shooting a lot this year. He's had the most shots on every single game. Like, I think it was through the oh, first yeah. period, he had six shots on I, goal, and I'm like, do it. I think he Just, has top three shots in the league right now. Yes, and I don't care because, guess what? No one else is doing anything else. I, no, go he, for it, bro. He, he it's almost is, like the coach is utilizing him the way he sh- should be utilized, yes. the way he was in the KHL. Uh, yeah, great, him. great start for him. I tell you what, it's been looking. Well, that's good. what I want. That's what we wanted is for the youth to take over. That's why I'm like, I don't understand why Tomasino got scratched that second. You know, like I, I don't fully get this. Now I do. I will say this: moving Duchesne to the wing, Duchesne looks way more dangerous right now. Like he even Duchesne had a good. He has looked incredible because, granted, I'm just going to say this: the the start has not been good for the Predators, but at the same time too. Their expected goals, okay? They're sixth in the league for expected goals. It, that's kind of crazy to me. I don't even understand that. Yes. So they're at um, 57.41% for expected goals, according to moneypuck.com, yeah. through three games. G- give it another week and that drops down to yeah, 20 that, that's something. That's strange considering that most of the analysts and even a lot of people that are fans of the team like ourselves aren't really buying into the hype this season. No, We're but, expecting but, the team But the funny part well. is, though, it's only a few people on the roster. So if you start nitpicking and pulling out certain stats, guess who's standing out? Duchesne. Do you know who the other person is that's standing out for expected goals? You're, this is going to be a surprise. Is it Johansson? No. I'm going to... This is a total surprise. If it's the name I'm thinking of, um, it's the guy I'm about to say next. So let's Alexander see. Carrier. No, not just thinking. So, and you can, you can wager this. So get this under for, this is under 25 year olds. Okay. So 
U25, Alexander Carrier has the best expected goal. He's the best in the league under 25 right now at 74.4. Get, get out of here. Who that is, that is way early to start doing that. I, I tell you what, that money puck stat, I saw that. That, that was a, after like only game three, though. I mean, no, I guess no, I, this, was, this is a different source. Okay. This is not. I just think, give it another week. These sound way foreign to me. Okay, so hold on. So for the Kings game, just let's just take the Kings game alone. Do you know what his uh, five on five expected goal share was? 75.9. And. For the Kings game, that's the crazy part. Is now you have to you, here. Here's the caveat: these are small sample sizes, extremely but, small. But you have to. <laughs> but you have to say that this is a good sign, especially after dealing sure, Ellis. Sure, you've dealt Ellis. Okay, like you're going to get over it. He scored the first goal of you know in his Flyers uniform the other night, wearing a weird number, and it really threw me off. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it was really yeah. just, just. It kind of hurt a little bit. I to was hear sitting that, there and yeah. I'm like. Man, I don't I don't recognize the number. I just recognize the beard and he scores. Anyway, um so that said, it hurts a little bit, but at the same time too, you have to be excited that the this is what you wanted. You wanted the youth, like you wanted Tolvanen to start shooting more. You wanted Carrier to step up and take the transition. And he has. He's actually been better than Fabro here recently. Mm. I've also I'll also say a name. I st- I was watching the other night and I was like, oh man, this kid, who's this guy? What uh, let me get the no- let me get the name off the back of that jersey. And the kid I kept seeing who actually looked like a decent NHL player was Tanner Janot the other Bro, night. Bro, we've like, been on his train since last year when he joined the herd line towards you, the end. You guys were, but I'm just now getting on it. But I'll say, now I'm starting to take notice. He's hammering people. So that is a, uh, it's a good sign when people who weren't on your train are starting to take notice. It only took you a full season to notice Well, him. it takes me a while with these, you know, AHL black ace players, you know, <laughs> you got to prove it to me. You got to show me, baby. So here's the thing. What about Fabro? Do you think he ends up, you know... Staying on the third line, or no. I'm sorry, the third pair, or is he go back to Milwaukee? No, he needs to stay, and they need to kick Ben Harper off into the nearest <laughs> flipping black hole because he is a traffic hole. He is my new Alexi Emelin. Oh, I'm that's sorry, a couple couple seasons back. I am, wow. I am already back on Alexi Emelin. Okay, like this dude is a traffic cone. He yeah. was literally, I think it was like he was second worst in the league at like minus two point something. I, it was some stat, random stat I saw, and I'm like, yep, that doesn't surprise me. Like, he he's a traffic cone. I've been saying that for a year and a half now, but somehow he's Heinz's boy. Like, I, 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 <laughs> don't, hilarious. I don't understand I think it. we're back to the woes of uh, the third pair again. Uh, third pair woes again this year for the Preds. I think it's going to be the big Achilles heel for this team and also a uh, lack of depth. Somebody commented and said, uh, I think the Preds are one injury away from being a... Uh, a lottery draft team and I that kind of resonated with me that stings it's a slight hot take but I really can see it you let one of the big three go down and this team is hurting our purge not in the lineup tonight thank god burrow cops in I'd much rather have burrow than than uh Harper. I, I mean he's just it, it's been terrible it's absolutely been terrible watching him like sorry but he needs to go back to the AHL or just get rid of him well, since you're talking about them getting rid of him, what do you think about uh, Joey and Duchesne? Um, I tell you what, I saw a stat today that said they take up almost 33% of the entire Nashville's cap space. Yeah, well, both of them have, uh, what, 8 mil plus contracts? Uh, I mean, that's that just is what it is right now for for them. Let me pull Which, it up really uh, quick. Which is a massive overpayment. Two guys cannot take up a third They're of the both cap. Eight. They're both 8 million. Yeah. So it's 72, mil- 72 million. Yeah, because it's it's 16 million a year <laughs> between yeah. the two players. 
And that said, looking at the production and looking at the players so far this year, I will argue Johansson has looked a lot better since basically Duchesne has moved to the wing. I, I, I think that line, honestly, it's been one of the top lines in the league actually right now as far as expected goals. Um, up there with the Kraken, which is hilarious to me because everyone got on the TANF train because <laughs> Matt was oh, frustrated. Yeah, because all of a sudden, like everyone's like, oh, TANF can play. It's like yeah. crazy. I, well, to crazy be fair, I, also, I was expecting, was it Matt, we were playing games here tonight, and I was like, yeah, it looks like Seattle's going to be, Nashville's is, is going to be the first to win. Oh, we knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah I mean, it just Nashville has a, a historic past of letting rookies get their first goal against them and, and new teams get their first win against them, yeah. Yeah, it, it is what it is, but that said, that line has looked great. Like, it has looked more like a top line because every time you've put them out on the ice, Duchesne has looked like he's been generating stuff. Forsberg looks dangerous. And Joe Hansen actually had a good goal the other night. They're actually producing now, but that's what... Here's the deal. You're making eight mil a year. Both of you need to be producing the entire time. Like you have to be consistent. And Joe Hansen has not been consistent. I want to see him get consistent. I do like this quote from the athletic when uh, I believe it was uh, either Adam or Joe that was talking about uh, Joey and Duchesne. And they said, these two are going to be here a while. They're going to be talented veterans who rediscover their game and help this team climb back to relevance or the part I like here, or they're going to become symbols of irrelevance. Yeah, ho- hopefully not, but uh, I think they also went on in this article to make the point that uh, whichever one is going to be, they're going to be in Nashville because their contracts are so big that nobody's going to take them away. So they're going to be here uh, probably for a long time. I mean, they were so big, they didn't, even, they didn't have to worry about getting picked in the expansion draft. Their contracts yes. basically yes. protected them. Yes, and that is a very uh, interesting situation how that, how that went down. But I well, will say... Hold to- on, Duchesne was protected. Joey wasn't. So if anyone has to look at that, and be like, hmm, it's Joey. Because Joey was left completely unprotected, and they protected yeah. Matt Duchesne. That is important to note, because Duchesne actually looks like he has production right now. Well, let me tell you something about Duchesne. Um, I would like to draw this uh, comparison here, and we'll see how well it rings true going on in the future. But what I noticed, I guess it was the last game, I, I can't remember, I watching Duchesne absolutely scrap him on the wing, and it, you know what it looked like? It looked like an Arvidsson. So I wonder with RV being gone, if he's being told to slot into Arvidsson's role, uh, being a junkyard hustler uh, along the edges, getting scraps, getting rebounds. And I wonder if he's going to fill more of that role. And I honestly wonder if he'll blossom a little bit better there. I know he's been you know playing center for a long time, but I'm very curious to see if he if he uh, excels a little bit more in this role. I don't know if it's just his natural play style, it was just a couple of games, or maybe it's just the roster decision that's going to have a little bit better success now. Could it also be that Joey's using this for motivation? Because like Dan just said, he wasn't, uh, he was left unprotected. So maybe he's using this as a, I'm going to show the Preds I'm actually capable of playing for this team and earning my money. Uh, I mean, there's, there's going to be some validity in that. I, I mean, that's, and that was my whole point is like, I think dealing Arvidsson mixes up the lines. You're going to put your top two. I mean, these are your two mil, two $8 million players on your top line right now. So guess what? You need to look like a top flipping line. Like you've got to yeah. produce. Like that that's the thing. This is make or break for Duchesne or um Joey because Duchesne's actually looking great. He's got the the advanced analytics to back him up. And the eye test too, you can tell, as like Matt was saying, he looks scrappier, he looks hungry, he looks feisty, he's going to the net. Where Joey now has to prove he can do this and he can be an assist machine like he needs to be because he needs to be feeding 
Forsberg and Duchesne the entire season. And if he is doing that correctly, then you should see Duchesne and Forsberg's numbers be very good. That is my argument. I, I will say I, I found it was a very, uh, I'll call it an aggressive move to put both of them on the same line. Uh, I thought that was that was an aggressive take that shows that where I think it shows where the franchise is wanting to go. They're wanting to put a powerhouse. They're wanting to keep the powerhouses of, you know, keep like, kind of like a Joe line situation where they're just dominant for one line as opposed to spreading it out. I think they're going with the mentality of let's put our best foot forward. We're going to put all our all our tricks in one bag and we're going to we're going to get some action going there. We're going to get some points. We're going to fire up the roster and we're going to let that work its way down. Uh, but you have to you have to ignite somewhere. And I think they're putting all their money on doing it online. Number one. Would Joey or Duchesne be that one player that gets injured that makes us a lottery team? Yes. Them, I think Duchesne. One of them or Yossi. If Yossi goes oh, down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who was oh. it, uh, Kyle? Somebody said uh, who was going to be the Or Soros. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, yeah. Like, it, it, you have like three players, really. Yeah. Like, Duchesne or Forsberg, and then you're talking one defenseman. Yeah, defenseman would be Joe, critical. Yost, Your guys Josie. are already so weak on the back end right now. Yeah, it's, that, it's would, that would crush. And then it's got to be Soros. So you have like three positions that you don't want an injury on. Uh, I'll yeah. put it like that. Like... I call it a very fragile team at the moment. But that being said, got a lot of young talent. You can come out and exceed expectations. So not a lot, a whole lot of expectations this year. So this might be a chance to step up here. Well, uh, and here's the deal. Here's another. So now I'm back on money puck for defensive pairings because I was just curious to see like some of the top defensive pairings in the leagues. And ironically enough, the Preds own the sixth, seventh, and the eighth best um, defensive pairing. And you're not going to believe this. The sixth and seventh one is Ekholm Carrier, and then the seventh one is Yossi Carrier. So this is very interesting. Carrier has done well on both pairings. So he, when he's either paired with Ekholm or Yossi, he has exceeded. Yeah, like, I like and, to see that. And, that's, and that goes to back up my other stats that I had pulled, even from a different source, where he's un, like under 25 years old. He's the best expected goal person. Fine. So now this is two different sources. Fine. But Whatever. no, but what I'm trying to say is it is a good sign that yeah. he is stepping up. I'm like, glad you told me that. That makes me more confident in him for sure. So, and, and he's been paired with both our top defensemen and both of them are literally sixth and seventh respectively as far as defensive pairs. So that is good to have a Swiss army knife. We got rid of one. We got, we got rid of Cali. We haven't seen him yet, of course, because he's been in COVID protocol for, for he just got out. I know. I know for like four or five games. So, um, that said, it, it's one of those, it is a nice sign to see, but are they willing to commit to the youth movement? Are you willing to bring glass back? Are you willing to keep Tomasino in? And I've said this from the beginning. What was my last statement in the very last podcast that we had? I feel like a broken record. And I, I, I said, next year, if we do not make the playoffs, I do not care if you are growing the team, like if you were growing like the, the, the youth movement, uh, just do it. I feel <laughs> like, like part of the problem right is, is that GMDP is afraid to actually pull the trigger. I feel like, well, like I mean, like right now, the Rangers, the Rangers are beating the Preds 1-0. If the Rangers win tonight, that's going to be our, we'll, we'll, we'll go one in three. Like, how far is it going to get before we realize this team is just mediocre well and it, it's hard to pull the trigger on making a bold move when there's no there's it's not a clear answer you are kind of in that no man's land right now and, and that makes making a big move very difficult it's a competitive transition right that's that's but, what i mean okay told. matt <laughs> you're the gm of the preds 
Oh, oh, this is good. You've got the situation where your team is mediocre. They've done terrible, like the Preds are doing right now. And you've got the option to either hang on to your older age and talent that you know what you have and what to expect. Or do you want to go with the young guns who could propel you forward? Well, first of all, what I'm doing is I'm not making any drastic moves right now. We're not even the first five games into yeah, the year. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to wait to see a bigger sample size. But, and then I, I agree with that sentiment of transition. I like that term for the situation the Preds are in. It needs to be a transition to a slight rebuild. Uh, you don't have to kill all the old roster, but it needs to be a transition younger. And it is going to be a rebuild restructuring period. Uh, there's gray matter in there. So nothing drastic. It just needs to honestly, it's going to be an uncomfortable three or four years or whatever. That's just the way it is. Yeah, it, it is an awkward time. I mean, you did deal. I mean, you got to think about this. You dealt Ellis and Arvidsson in the offseason and Peck retired. I, I mean, it is what it is. Arvidsson was not happy to be traded, though. No, he wasn't. Well, I tell you what, let's uh, let's switch the topic slightly, get a little happier note, and that was uh, the Kraken coming to Nashville. Uh, what did you guys think about that? I like their away uniforms more than I like their home uniforms, personally. Uh, Play-wise, it was, a, look, it was a meh game. It was, it was okay. It was a meh the, game. The, probably the most exciting part was the audience uh, fan fight in the crowd with their Kraken fan in the crowd. Uh, did you yeah. guys see that? And I, I did. did laugh at this. Have you seen the second view where there's a guy in the, the hat? View, uh-uh. There's like another guy in the hat who like tries to do like one or two punches and he completely whiffs. Like, <laughs> but he, and then he's like, then he's like completely out. Like he tried to take one or two cheap shots and then he completely just whiffed. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. That game was pretty boring. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I'm uh, getting, honestly, I'm getting tired. We mentioned, I'm getting tired of hearing Brandon Tanev's name. I mean, he's, he's okay. <laughs> crazy, he's not crazy that great. Eyed, Calm down. Crazy eyed Tanev. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, that famous uh, photo of his. I like Geeky. Uh, yeah, he's, he's been really good for them. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they've looked great. Um, that top line was, you know, one of the higher ranked ones for that first yeah, week. They've I think good, they've calmed they've down good a little stats bit. and metrics, uh, at least the first couple games. They've cooled off some. I'm curious to see uh, how long that continues because remember, oh, we, they're, we, they're on a forever be paired with Vegas, who also, they had their first game against Vegas, which I thought was very fitting, but they're going to forever be compared success-wise to how they master up, how they stand up against what Vegas did their first year. Uh, so we'll, we'll see that going forward. I mean, nobody knows yet. Now, I did like how uh, Vegas on their open and ice, they had the night slay the Kraken. Yeah. Yes. That was, that was cool. That, that was, was awesome. Great, I tell you uh, what, Vegas puts such a performance out. I watch it all the time. I get into the chance when they, when they sing, you know, the, the start, uh, the national anthem and everybody yells night. And I, I love the show. There's such a high energy in that, in that arena. I'm all the time. I love my late night hockey. So I, I love watching Vegas. And I always tell my wife, I'm like, man, we really have to go there. That just looks like a freaking blast. I would love to go to a Preds game there. Preds versus Knights. And go my to brother a- was out there with his wife to one of the games, and he said it was amazing. Yeah. I, think it's like the, I think it's only like the first, second hockey game he's been to, and he was just like, this is awesome. It's a really good arena, too, because that's one of your more modern arenas, too. Like, you're going to have all the technology, you know, yeah. you, you like... It, it, it appeals to, a, like, a younger crowd and people that are, are normal, like, go to concerts, they have light shows and music. They're things that aren't necessarily just hockey. I mean, they got food, they got beer. I mean, whatever you like, it's there. It's like an event, man. You don't even have to love hockey. You can just go there and hang out. I mean, it's, it's a good time. Now, before we wrap up on everything, too, like, I have to just take a moment, like, this year has been really weird to start. Like the league is really flip flopped right now. I don't know if you guys have noticed the standings. It's quite comical. The Preds were fourth in the division, but they're twenty fourth in the league. Just to let you know how bad 
the Central Division is. And by the way, the Predators are ahead of Colorado and Vegas to start. And, and that's that odd blows that, my that mind. you said that, that, that how bad the Central is. The Central is supposed to be the powerhouse this year. No. Uh, that, they look that's terrible. What, I, that, you know, that's just what everybody's saying. So You know it's a weird season when Detroit is ninth place overall in the Bro, league. Detroit has a lost in regulation. And Buffalo is undefeated. And God bless. Uh, bu- bu- here's the deal. Buffalo's undefeated. Detroit's ninth. Uh, the Canadians who are the in the Stanley Cup are literally dead last and have not won a game. And <laughs> oh, then and then you have and then you have Vegas. That's brutal. And Colorado below the Predators right now. What? Like w- like what is going on this year? I, I can't make this up. I mean, first of all, here's the deal. Small sample size. It is going to average out. I'm not. Daniel loves the small sample yeah, size look, stats today. Look, look, these guys right here, Colorado and Vegas, are not going to be down here for Neither very is long. The Islanders, bro. I, I, that's crazy. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that that they shouldn't be there either. So we'll say though, Arizona, welcome to the Central. Well, yeah, get wrecked. Arizona Arizona's is going to be get wrecked this year in be, the Central. They're going to be so bad. <laughs> that was, and that's not going to be a good fit. It's going to be the bottom feeders uh, there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just get ready, Arizona. Um, that said, though, it has been a really weird start. Like, oddly strange. Like, Ottawa's 15th, New Jersey 14th. I mean, come on. Get out of here. Like, I just I just don't see this holding up for the whole season. But it has been a weird start. And fortunately, the Central has been kind of eh. So the Preds are still fourth. Yeah. But, like, yeah, if you'd have told me we lost the you know two out of the first three games and Colorado and Vegas was going to be behind the Preds, no. And Buffalo is up there undefeated. And Florida's undefeated. Well, Florida's good, though. I tell you what, man, they look good this year. They're going to be a sneaky good team. But, yeah, I don't know. The league is is uh, kind of topsy-turvy right now, but give it to our next podcast, and I guarantee you stuff will start to hopefully average out and return to normal. So, Matt, for the first time this season, I can ask you, do you have any stats that we've not talked about? Yeah, it is uh, a little bit young uh, yet. Not too much stats going on besides Ovi uh, passing Marcel Dion, but I will leave you with one we haven't mentioned yet, and that is that Calgary lost their home opener now for 12 years in a row, and that's the second longest streak in NHL or in a North American sports history. 12 years losing home opener in a row. So not a good start for Calgary. They're all mad that uh, you know they lost Mark Giordano. So uh, well, it can only go up from here, boys. So. And Daniel, what games we got coming up? Yeah, just uh, actually, I was just going around looking at the league right now. So the Preds are still losing right now, one to zero. Rangers are on the power play, and it is the end of the first. Uh, the The Hurricanes are beating the Canadians, by the way, two to one. So it's looking like a five and zero oh, or zero oh and five start for them. Ooh, that's gonna be rough. And the Avs are losing to the Panthers right now. So maybe another L four. Can you imagine? Like they're gonna be one and three to start. I've missed I, hockey so bad. Like, this is this, great. This, this is good news, this baby. This blows my mind where we're at right now. I I, I don't know. Uh, late night hockey, though, tonight uh, is the Oilers and the Coyotes, so get wrecked. Um, Two of Matt's favorite teams. It's basically Love just going to be McDavid scoring on the all AHL. McDavid's had a very hot start again. It's, it's shocking like, how good it was. Dry Saddle. Dry Saddle always the two. Who's uh, leading in points right now? It's Have we, McDavid is it, and, and uh, Dry Saddle like, are in one and two. Let's see. But Matt. Arizona has one thing going for them. They brought their Gachina jerseys back. They did. They did. Yes, everybody wanted it. They teased it a lot last year. They were using it as their alternate, and uh, it's good to see them go back and do it full-time because 
all the fans wanted it. So uh, at least you can wear your fun jerseys to the arena, even if they're not winning so much. But uh, hey, that's, that's good news for Arizona. That gives me hope that Preds will bring back the blue jerseys again. I wish they I wish they would uh, get rid of some of the go- some of the gold is a little it's a little overwhelming. Well, here's the deal. And we didn't really talk about this too much. Just to circle back the stadium series. We get unique jerseys. So you're going to get a one off jersey for that event. I mean, obviously, they haven't teased anything yet, but I'm very excited to see what they. Yeah, it's going to be gold because the whole theme is going to be like painting the stadium gold. I understand that. But the stadium series, if you take a look at like all the jerseys, I was actually going back and looking at some of them, like the Kings one, the the wings had a really cool like uh, a Detroit one that was very modern. It's always a very edgy, modern, yeah. simplistic jersey, which I like. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they do that for both teams because the Lightning jersey will be away. So a lot of white, a little bit of blue. It's going to almost be like Titans colors, ironically enough. That's going to be funny in Titan Stadium. Um, but it, I'm very excited for that sweater because they knocked the Winter Classic jersey out of the park because it was like, there's not a lot of gold. It had a white. It was that vintage look. Yeah, that was a good I one. love it. I bought one. It's in my closet. You know, like, of course, I'm going to buy this one because we'll probably be at the game. Okay. But that said, I, I'm interested on the take for this. And I know the Predators, I think Yossi and Ekholm both mentioned in the press conference, they're excited to see what offering they have for the new sweater because um, I, I think it's going to be very modern and very cool for Nashville. So maybe they do some sort of like Nashville vibe infused in there. So I guess Adidas will be in charge of that as usual. So we'll see. So as far as games coming up, so tonight we're currently facing the Rangers. And before our next podcast, we'll have Winnipeg, Minnesota, San Jose, and then the New York Islanders. So we'll see where we're at as far as standing wise uh, come that time. Uh, It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a little bit difficult to stretch because Minnesota and San Jose have got off to a hot start. So the the schedule really doesn't get easy for the Preds for a long time. I mean, you're talking two division rivals coming up and then you have San Jose and the Islanders. So we'll see. And a lot of home games to start, which means guess what? You need to be piling up the points right now and you're not. So I just want to point that out. Well, maybe we can beat the Preds B team. That's all I was thinking about. Actually, you were talking about that. I'm going Preds B team, but can we really call them the Preds B team anymore? Wild. Cause it's like Hartman Fiala. I mean, at one point it's just, it's just hilarious. How many people Benino is Benino up there still or Benino gone. I, I can't keep, I can't keep track of Benino. He's checking his head. Yes. I, I assume Benino is still there. So it's just hilarious how many uh, acquisitions they acquired from us over the past, basically like three seasons. Guys, that wraps up the first episode of season five. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to listen more to our show, you can find us on iTunes at Music City Gold, or you can find our episodes at Penalty Box Radio. Until then, we'll see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.